Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see you guys here on a rainy Sunday morning. Welcome. My name is Danny. If we haven't met, I usually run to the back after the service to try to say hi to as many people as I can. So I'll be back there today. I'd love to meet you. And um, it's good to see you guys today. Good to be here. Chris Matley is speaking over at the Coastlands, five minutes down Highway 1 that way. And I've been speaking over there a lot more lately. Um, But it's exciting to be here with the Hope family today and get to be with you guys. Um, Yeah, everyone's so excited. (laughs) It's good to see you guys. I see you guys every day out on East Cliff, so that's cool. (laughs) Um, But it's good to be with you guys here today. And we're in this message series called Found in the Way. We're looking at the way of Jesus. In Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. If you guys have your Bibles, you can can turn there right now. And um, first, I want to just mention something really exciting. Tonight... We are going to be led by our young adults. We had our, our young adults went away to a retreat and had like a mini revival up there. Like they're just totally on fire and they were just worshiping nonstop, sharing testimonies, all kinds of amazing things happening, changed lives. And they came back down the mountain and said, hey, can we lead the worship night? You guys, you guys are off the hook. You don't have to do anything. So I'm showing up tonight. We're going to host it over at Coastlands. We're going to have a tank there for baptisms. If you haven't taken the plunge, taken the next step, to, to, it's like the next step after saying yes to Jesus, it's like I'm all in, right? And uh, by the way, just a couple weeks ago up in Portland, Oregon, you guys, m- many of you might know that we helped plant a church um, a couple years back. Joe Gruber, our, our friend here, uh, we sent him up to Portland, Oregon, and I actually, um, and they had 20 baptisms on Super Bowl Sunday. Isn't that exciting? And that's just a sign of people who are going all in for Jesus. And one of those people uh, that's been benefited from the Portland All-City Church is Aaron. He's here. He's, he's leading our skate church now. We're blessed to have him. You know, when it comes full circle, isn't that cool? And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited about what God's doing. Uh, the other day I was in a surf shop. I've been talking to these people and they said, hey, you know, our kid's going through a hard time, and it was just cool. I was able to talk to him and encourage him and say, hey, bring him to Skate Church. And then Aaron got him connected at Skate Church, and he's getting connected with Flo, with Nick Hart. God's doing great things here. Amen? I want to pray for something before I get started my message. I want to just take a moment here. Some of you guys know about a tragedy of a student, high school student named Rowan, who was who was killed a few weeks back. Um, and... Uh, it was actually while I was in El Salvador, I heard the news about that, and just really weighs heavy on my heart, but um, we have an opportunity, um, I don't know if it's like open invitation or anything, but we're hosting a memorial for him today at one o'clock, and Nick Hart, who, John's son, uh, Nick, he leads our flow, uh, it's a local youth organization, and he's going to be leading the service, and so I just thought it'd be cool to just say a prayer for them right now, is that cool? I think it's been pretty 
pretty hard on the family. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you can bring light in the darkest of circumstances. You can bring hope in the most hopeless of circumstances. And, Lord, I pray that somehow that you would bring light through the cracks in this situation, Lord, as, as, as I couldn't imagine losing my son. And, um, Lord, so our hearts just break right now. Our hearts go out to the family and the friends of Rowan. Um, we just pray that you would surround them with your love and your comfort. We pray for mercy, Lord, over them today. As they meet in, in our space, Lord, I pray that they would just come here and they would feel your presence and your love surrounding them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I thought I would kick off my message by sharing uh, an embarrassing photo of myself with an embarrassing story. I figured you guys would get a kick out of that. and I have So I have four, but you only get to pick one. Okay, so I need, this is kind of like choose your own adventure. Anyone ever read those books when you were a kid? Um, okay, so here's, here's the four options that you have, and there will be no photos or internet posts. I'm just going to say right now. These are pretty embarrassing. So do you, want, you get one, one out of four options here. You get to see me throw myself under the bus. Um, L.A. Gangsta, Bad Youth Pastor Hair, Kooky Monster, or the Nutcracker. Okay, so I'm just going to read through those, and you get to, like, cheer, and you can, you, what, whoever cheers the loudest, that's the one I'm going to pick. Okay, ready? One, two, three. L.A. Gangsta. All right. Bad Youth Pastor Hair. Oh, nobody. Okay. That's probably the most embarrassing photo. So, okay, we'll just pass over that one. Uh, Kooky Monster. Or the Nutcracker. I think it might be a tie between L.A. Gangsta and the Nutcracker. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how much time. See how much time it takes. I'll just start with the L.A. Gangsta story, but don't show that picture just yet, okay? But so I'm like, I had to be like 10 years old, and. My grandmother took our family on a vacation to North Carolina. It was like a Christian conference center there. And I met some of these North Carolina boys. And we're, I don't know, you know, it was back in the day where like there was very little adult supervision. I don't even know where my parents were. We were out on some field somewhere far away. And I just met these guys. And I was trying to impress them. And I, I was born in East LA, but I grew up in the suburbs, okay? I grew up in Moore Park. And, uh, you know, so I wasn't really much of a gangster, but um, I wanted to impress them. So as a 10-year-old boy, I went on to tell them these embellishing stories about how, you know, I was part of a gang. And if you wore the wrong colors in my neighborhood, you'd get jumped. And if you got jumped in, you couldn't get out unless you got jumped out. You know, I made up this whole story, you know. And at the end, of it, uh, they just sat there and laughed. They said, you ain't from California, boy. And this... But this, this, is tell, this tells you why. This is the photo of me at that age in my life. There you go. <laughs> L.A. Gangsta right there. All right, one more, one more, one more shot here. One, I, I'll, I'll, you guys want the nutcracker too? Okay. Uh, just flash him the bad youth pastor here real quick just for fun. Where's that one? Yeah, there you go. I was a youth pastor, and every youth pastor back then had to have, like, the little goatee. This is like early early 2000s, you had to have a little goatee. And the, one of our youth leaders, hairstylist, and so she was learning all the new styles, and she's like, you got to let me cut your hair. I got this great idea. I've got a vision for you, you know? 
And so I was like, okay, you know, it's like, okay, fine, right? Okay, so she, I go to this, like, fancy salon, and that happened. Okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, <laughs> the yellow shirt just kind of adds to the yellow, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like so much yellow. It's terrible. Okay, so wait, wait, don't show, uh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, the nutcracker. Okay, so my daughter's in ballet, right? And so I've dodged it for years. They've asked me to be part of the nutcracker. And I don't dance. There's one thing I don't do. I feel bad for my wife because she's a dancer and she married a guy that just doesn't dance at all, right? She got everything else she wanted for in a husband, of course. But that was one thing that I, short, I shorted her on the dancing. So they asked me, say, hey, you know, you, and my, my daughter's in it, my wife is in it, and my son's in it, right? And so they, you, you got to be in the Nutcracker. So I finally caved after years of being asked to be in the Nutcracker. And so... Some of you guys came and saw the performance. But what you didn't know, here's some photos of that. Yeah, Richard, you were there. <laughs> okay, so I got some photos here of the dance and the mustache. But what I didn't tell you is right before the performance, they sent, you know, I'm like one of the parents. I'm back there dressing the kids. I'm getting ready to, for my performance. I don't, this is out of my comfort zone, guys. I've never worn stage makeup before in my life. But they sent me to the store right before the serve right before the first show so here i am dressed like that walking the streets of downtown santa cruz i fit right in and i went to i had to go to new leaf or whatever that store you know it's new leaf down there and i had to pick something up and i go to the checker stand and you wouldn't believe it it's someone i know from church and I, you know, I mean, I'm wearing full-on makeup and a highliner and this crazy frilly shirt, and I, it was just, I had to explain it to her, you know, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm a ballet dad, okay? <laughs> um, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So the things we do for our kids, right? Yeah, all right, well, we're, okay, I'm going to, this is going to all make sense and tie into the sermon, of course, you know that. Uh, <laughs> I want to I look back at this passage. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. And um, we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. But I thought it would be a good point to kind of read the whole, the whole passage that we're in. Because we're going to get to this part where it talks about, you might have heard this passage. You've ever heard this before. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And on face value, that sounds like a really simple message to just take and run with, doesn't it? But when you really think about what does it mean that we are the salt of the earth, that God's commissioned us to be the salt and the light of the world. This is something that Jesus ascribes to himself. He said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And then Matthew 5, he's like, you, you are the light of the world. And so I think it's important that we look at what does that mean in the context of the scripture that we've been studying over the last few weeks. Is that cool? I want to see if I can get someone else to come up here and read this passage for me. How about Poppy? Are you up? You up for reading? Come on, Poppy, get up here. I didn't even, I didn't even warn her. Poppy is an ordained minister. And she leads our Hope Kids. Isn't that awesome? Did you know that? We got a Pastor Poppy in the Hope Kids. PP, double P. Okay, 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. What do you got? The old King James or something? <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? You'll she's gonna read it from the Passion. Let's try it. Let's. It's a. It's a. Is that a? That's a different translation. Okay. Well, I'm gonna give you the mic and have you read it, and it's gonna be up here in the NIV. So, those of you who are uh, translation critics, you can, you know, you can decide which one you like. You can talk to me afterwards. Okay. Am I doing one? 1 through 16. Uh, Matthew 5. One day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up the slope of a hill and sat down. With his followers and disciples spread over the hillside, Jesus began to teach them. What wealth is offered to you when you fill your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. How blessed you are when you make perfect peace. Then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine a light upon them. And then they will give your, their praise to your Father in heaven. Awesome. Give it up for Poppy. <laughs> Pastor Poppy. So many of you may be more familiar with the NIV version that says, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, right? And it's kind of like Jesus is redefining what it means to be happy, or the word we use in Santa Cruz is stoked, right? It, doesn't, it, it's, it sounds kind of upside down and backwards when you think about, you know, if you think about it that way, you're going to be stoked when you're poor, you're going to be stoked when you're at the end of your rope. But how many of you guys know that's where God meets us, amen? That's how God uses us. That's where God finds us and, and helps us become more like him. That's where we're transformed when we get to that place of humility where we recognize, God, we need you. It's in those moments that we get to see God. And so when we look at this passage of you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, 
you have to look at that in the context of what does that look like? And it looks like being poor in spirit. It looks like mourning. It looks like being meek and merciful. And, and, and you see this progression here. Do you guys see that? It's kind of like Russian nesting dolls, as creepy as they may sound, right? <laughs> you have, you know, one thing leads into the next thing, right? You have this internal poverty that we recognize, man, I need, I need God. And I begin to mourn over my, not only my sin, but the brokenness in the world that we live in. And it begins to change the way I see people and treat people with meekness and mercy. And I, I, it begins to change my own desires, that I'm not hungry just for the things that fill me, but I began to be hungry for the things that God is hungry for, for righteousness, his righteousness, not just self-righteousness. And then I began to, on the outside, I began to seek peace or shalom, wholeness for other people. You see the transition there? You see how it, and then, and then, and then to be persecuted because of righteousness, because I'm seeking to bring wholeness to other people, I become persecuted for that, right? And that is what it looks like to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I want to just kind of, kind of just break this thing down a little bit here. Um, the big idea that I want to share with you guys today is that the way of Jesus leads us to stand out and shine bright. The way of Jesus leads us to stand out and shine bright and, and not just uh, have an inward change, but have an outward change that, that other people can experience, that affects the world around us. And, you know, what does it mean? Let's look at this passage right here. What does it mean that Jesus calls his followers to be salt and light? I'm going to just read that passage one more time from the NIV. You are the salt of the earth. If you're a follower of Jesus, someone who's seeking the way of Jesus, he's saying this to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It loses purpose, right? If it's not salty, it's actually impossible for salt not to be salty. Have you thought about that? It does, it's, it's not really possible. Um, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. Or another translation says, a city on a hill. Uh, the message translation says, we're going public with this. I love that. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Right? So again, we have this idea of light being purposeless if it's hidden. Salt being purposeless if it's not salty right? And so, or, or not, not doing its job to salt and bring flavor. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, you could just read that last part, and it's such a beautiful passage, right? It says that, uh, that they may see your good, beautiful, pleasing, noble deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, right? And you go, well, I just got to go do good deed, and then I'm going to show people who God is, right? And then we go, wow, I got to go do that. And I think you could just read that and think, okay, I just need to go out there and shine bright, you know? I'm going to just white-knuckle this. But how many of you guys know that, that if we're going to live in such a way that points people to God and shows people who God is, the light of God, we can't do that on our own. 
right? And so that's why it's helpful to look at the context of where this process that God leads us in the way of Jesus to, to be people of his kingdom, starting with being poor. I don't have it together. I'm not, because if you're like me, my attempts to shine the light or, or, you know, usually fall pretty short, right? When I stand out, it's often not because I'm a, a follower of Jesus, it's often because I'm being a kook, <laughs> right? And so that's, you know, that's not what Jesus is talking about, being persecuted for being a kook. He's talking about being persecuted because you look so much like me that people are going to either love you or hate you. And that's the promise that he gave us, right? What would it look like for our actions to be so radically influenced by the values of Jesus when people look at our lives, they assume we must have been changed by the living God? That's what we're talking about here when it comes to salt. I, I brought you one of my favorite little treats here today. Um, the bagelry. Little stop on the way here. Who's ever had the salt bagel? Oh man, if you haven't tried the salt bagel, you got to get there early because these sell out. I was actually a little nervous today. And it's such a simple thing. It's a bagel with salt on it. It's kind of like a big fat pretzel. Oh man. But if you get there and you're late and they don't have this, you end up with the plain bagel. It ain't the same. It's not the same. You toast this thing with some butter. Here's the trick. Poke some holes with that knife. Get that butter in there. Get it all nice and toasty. And then seal it in with the cream cheese. It's called butter pockets. You get little pockets of butter in there. And then you put some fresh tomatoes on top of that. Oh, man, with the salt, it's like heaven. And what makes this so good is the salt is on the bagel. In, in the world, Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the what? The shaker? You are the salt of the earth. God has created us as we live out the way of Jesus to be the flavor of God in the world. But not just huddled together in a pile. Who here likes eating salt by itself? Okay, not too many. Okay, okay, all right, I'll give that to you. But how, how many other rocks do we eat? Salt is the only rock. Do you know that? Scientifically, salt's the only rock that we eat on purpose on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> I probably ate some other rocks when I was a kid, I'm sure. But nowadays, it's the only rock that I eat. And salt tastes so good when it's mixed in, when it's flavoring. You ever, you ever like, you know, make something and you forget to put the salt? It doesn't have the flavor, right? One time, my wife Jenny and I, when we were newly married, you know, it's like, I remember just like, it's like you're playing house. You're like, okay, we get to make dinner. Let's bake some cookies, right? And so we'd never baked anything. We got married pretty young, so we were like clueless about a lot of things. And uh, let's just say that. And, but we, we decided we're going to bake some cookies. And so we got out all the ingredients, and we, you know, we mixed up the measurements. So instead of putting like a cup of sugar, we put a cup of salt and a teaspoon of sugar. And we made these cookies, and when we put them in the oven, and we baked them for the, you know, amount of allotted time, we pulled it out, and they basically had 
completely melts it all down into one giant flat quarter-inch cookie. And, of course, we had to try it because it's like our first cookies, you know. And, oh, man, they were, they were so salty, they were just disgusting. Like, you, could, you couldn't actually eat it. It was just like, it was like eating pure salt with a little bit of a... But you, you got to have the right mixture, right? Okay, John Piper, I love what he said. Now, I don't agree with every one of his things but, that he says, but um, this is a great quote. Check this out. He's a great author, too, but I've got a couple different opinions than he does, but here we go. This, is, this one right here, I agree with. People don't enjoy salt. They enjoy what is salted. We are the salt of the earth. We do not exist for ourselves. Amen? We exist to be mixed in with the world, to bring about the flavor. But the challenge of this is, how many of you guys know, you, you've been in situations where this is challenging. We could talk about, oh, this is great. Oh, in church, yeah, praise God. Okay, that's awesome. But when you get down to the real deal, when you're at work, I remember I worked for a surf apparel company back in my 20s, and I was the only Christian on staff, and I showed up with that yellow haircut, wearing a tie. They thought I was a Mormon missionary for sure, and they didn't know what to do with me. And let me just say, like, it was not a Christian organization, if you will. Like, there was a lot of things happening there that that we don't talk about in church. And being a Christian in that environment was super challenging. There was some times where I had to stand up for what I believed in, and I was looked down upon for doing so, right? And I remember, you know, uh, when Justin first moved here, and, you know, he he was new to Santa Cruz, and I encouraged him, you should get a job, you know, working in a coffee shop or something, just to get to know the community. And, you know, he stood out like a sore thumb. He's, here, he's like smiling from ear to ear, love of Jesus, you know. He hadn't been salted by the Santa Cruz yet, you know what I'm saying? We have a different kind of saltiness here. Amen? But God wants to give us his saltiness. And so here's Justin, and I remember like they didn't know what to do with him. I think he had, they were like, they were mean to him. But he was just showing up, and I remember him like, leaning over the counter, like praying for healing for people and talking about Jesus. And Sean's now part of the church because he met Justin at the coffee shop. And, you know, we stand out, but we got to get out. We got to get out. We can't just be hanging with the salt. And I think the challenge for those of us who are believers for a long time, the more we spend time as believers, the less and less we know people who don't know Christ. And I think it's so important that we are intentionally making time to be in the community, to make, to make friends with people who are far from God. Because how, let's just be honest, they're not running to church here in Santa Cruz. Okay, being somebody that God called to plant a church in a town where people go to get away from churches, like people aren't running to church for hope here. Amen? <laughs> no amens on that one. It's true. It's true. People are running away and, and in fact, when they think about when people who don't know Jesus, when you ask them about Jesus, like they're, they're cool with Jesus, but not so much like Christianity, you know what I'm saying? And so we actually can't just expect them to come to us. We got to be thinking of ways that we can go to where people are to bring the flavor of God, like being the salt on the bagel, 
You know, how has God placed, how has God strategically placed you to be salt? Because when you eat this, I'm not, I'm not even going to do it because if I eat this, within about 30 seconds, I'm going to be craving, I'm going to be craving some water. It's true, right? When you eat something salty, it makes you thirsty. And that's what we do when, when God puts us strategically in the world, in dark places, around people that want nothing to do with humanity, and we show up and we live out these values of the kingdom and makes them thirsty for God. Amen? Salt makes people thirsty. It preserves, it protects, and it makes people thirsty. It brings about the flavor. I love what Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. How are people going to taste and see if we're not being the salt of the earth? The second thing Jesus says is that you are the light of the world. Okay, so salt of the light of the Once again, it's not for us. It's for others. The value, God blesses us with the values of the kingdom so that we can shine bright. I brought my flashlight. I, I spent a little extra on this thing. I, I'm just going to go. Cru- <laughs> that thing's bright. You break into my house, I'm not going to hit you with a little flashlight. I'm going to blind you with this thing. You know what I'm saying? And then you might get something else too. No, I'm just <laughs> Merciful. Meekness. Amen. Okay. But, um, but you know, like, you know, I got, I, I'm like, if I'm going to buy a flashlight, I'm going to buy a good one. You know what I'm saying? And this thing's bright. You can, and you can focus it so it's like super bright. And I'm not going to shine it on anyone's eyes because it'll like pretty much blind you. Um, I brought this light to just demonstrate that like God wants us. I mean, actually, go ahead and go ahead and just shut the lights off for a second. Well, we can't turn them all off, but um, you get the point. This room is not dark because of darkness. I think we I curse the darkness. Oh, it's so bad out there. This room is dark because of an absence of light. And every one of us, as followers of Jesus, we have the light of God in our life. And we're called to shine it. And if I cover it up, it's tempting to cover it up sometimes, right? Because sometimes the, the light of God shining through us can cause people to want to look away sometimes or back away. But God's called us to be the light in the dark places. And I'm not afraid of dark places because I have the light. I don't think as, as followers of Jesus we need to be afraid that the darkness is going to get on us. Because darkness is merely just the absence of light. And God's called us to be the light of the world. You can turn the lights back on. I love what uh, Francis of Assisi wrote. And I'm going to add the Joe Gruber version of this too. So, um, but Francis Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. How many of you guys know our talk talks and our walk talks 
but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. People hear what you say, but they remember what you do. And people, I think that as followers of Jesus, the way that we shine the light, we do need to be able to put it into words. So I'm, I'm going to rephrase Francis Assisi in the words of Joe Gruber. He says this. I love how Joe says it. He's preached the gospel at all times and used words. They're necessary. <laughs> right? You might, if you, you've been here for a while, you might have heard Joe say that. But I think that it's important that we live our lives in such a way that points people to God. And that's, that's not always easy to do. But then we also got to be willing to follow that up with our words. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I don't want to just be someone who says that, but I want to be someone who lives that. That we live in such a way that we're not afraid to go into dark places and shine the light of God. But the challenge, I think, for all of us, like, like Jesus said, he says, hey, don't cover it up with a bowl. What happens when I put this in a bag? It loses its purpose. When the salt loses its flavor, it loses its purpose. When a light gets covered up, it loses its purpose. And I think as followers of Jesus, when we cease to be the salt that's flavoring the world around us, we cease to be the light in dark places, we miss the purpose. That's really boring Christianity. Honestly, if Christianity is just once a week showing up to a service, checking a box, going, okay, I'm a good person now, that's really boring, you guys, because God's called us to live a life full of purpose and meaning on mission for him every day, and it's exciting. It's scary, you know, bringing up the conversation, and we have all, every day we have opportunities to cover it up or to shine the light. I was buying a surfboard from someone the other day, and he's someone that I've known, and really good surfer. I'm a little bit intimidated because this guy is basically a pro surfer, and he was on a film that we showed here years ago, and he remembers our church. He's like, you guys still have skate ramps in there? And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, and it was just an opportunity, and I could either cover it up, or I could go, yeah, you know what? That's my story, you know? I discovered faith in Jesus at a church that had skate ramps. And so we wanted to do the same thing for other people in our community to just change the script of what church looks like so they'll be open to, to find a different path. Really, 30 seconds, right? And it was really easy to, to not want to say that because I'm, I want this guy to think I'm cool. And there's many times where I've, I've just... Maybe you, you can relate to that. Many times where you have that opportunity to shine or be the flavor, be the salt, and it's easy to just hold back and mesh in to the world. And I've had those moments too. When I was working for that surf clothing company, I had those moments where I'm like, I just want to fit in, right? And we don't want to stand out. But God's called us to stand out and shine bright. And I want to be someone who's continually doing that. Okay, just to wrap this up, how? I want to bring it pr down practical. How do we get salty if we're not? How do we stay salty? 
the maximum impact you're going to have in your life is if you're A, close proximity, and B, high potency, right? So if you are a highly salty person, but you're not around anybody that has any, you know, if, you know, you're not in the world, or if you're a really bright light, but you're just hanging out with a bunch of bright lights and you're not willing to go into dark places, it's ineffective, right? That's the, that's the equation here. If our lives are going to have an impact and point people to Jesus, we have to be willing to be highly potent, shine bright, be really salty. How do, how do we get salty? Okay, there you go. Practically, we can spend time with God through his word. When we gather together in corporate worship, when you're alone and, and, and bring your, your, your fears and your anxieties, you bring those things over to God in prayer. We can be around other people that are salty. You kind of got to soak in the salt water a little bit, right? I want to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians because I think it really kind of highlights something. And he talks about Moses having a veiled face. And if you guys remember, if you haven't read the book of Exodus, but there's this moment where Moses, he's the one that gave us the Ten Commandments. He goes up on the mountaintop to, to be with God. And he comes back down the mountain and he was exposed to the glory of God in such a way that his face was glowing. He had to cover his face up because he was freaking people out. Right? That's, that's the story. And so 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, um, which is very much like California. And he's quoting this, this story about Moses. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were, ma- were made dull for this for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil covers our, their hearts. So that's speaking about how some people have a veil covering their heart from understanding the, the love of God in the, in the scriptures. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, who are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we spend time with God, whether that be in worship, or in prayer, or in reading reading the Scriptures, or getting together with other believers, when we spend time with God, He is powerfully present. Amen. This morning, as we are worshiping this morning, God is powerful. Yesterday, I was with 50 pastors up in the bay, and it was, and, oh man, we had this church leading worship, and it was like powerful, and it was like you could just feel tangibly the presence of God. Not because we're in a church building, but because when His people gather, the Word says that He inhabits the praises of His people, right? When we spend time in God's presence, it changes us. And we become more salty. We become more bright. Some of you guys heard 
the testimony from from Cassidy from our youth group. It's so many many so many of our youth. I'm so inspired to see how they are just going after God. Um, Cassidy's one of them, and and she doesn't come from a Christian home, and she found the Lord in the youth group, and um, she was sharing her testimony, starting a, a a Bible study on her campus up at Soquel High. If you don't realize how difficult that would be to stand out and shine bright, I mean, that that's a difficult place to be. And I think we should be praying for her. But I think it inspires us, too, to go, like, hey, how can I, in my workplace, with my neighbors, with my, my old friends, my new friends, my family, how many guys know it's hard enough to shine bright in our home, with our kids, with our spouses, with our friends that we know, and our families. It just comes from spending time with, with our God, with the Lord, as he begins to transform us to become more like him. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways to, you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, We'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.